I recognize that a lot of a lot of the people in the sports space are mom and pop owners, right? They're first time entrepreneurs. They're in there not because they love business, but because they love running. And not all of them were making the moves uh, business wise that I thought um, were helpful for their business. There were a lot of questions that were coming up. So I decided to write a newsletter to or write write some articles to help them with leadership. And we had thousands of clients. So I, I got to 3,500 subscribers pretty darn fast. And, uh, and then later on, probably 2022, year and a half, two, two years ago, uh, I changed it from just sports leadership to just the company leadership. And that's when things started um, growing. And in the past year, uh, they've grown a lot more. I've hit my stride. I know what people like. Uh, I know what voice uh, to write about and the length I used to write really long articles now they take about three four minutes to read and uh, and it's about leadership but there's a lot of storytelling there's humor you know my goal is here's what I understand is leadership newsletters are boring and I don't even want to read them and so if I can make myself laugh while I'm writing it and make myself smile a little bit maybe other people will smile and laugh and maybe they'll get to three, 350 words in, so in the last 50 words, I could actually have a message. Hey everybody, I'm here with Jeff Matlow, who is a connection from a mutual friend of ours. Really excited to get connected with him. Had a great conversation with him on, on the phone a couple weeks ago. And he's a leadership coach, a business growth consultant, an executive coach, triathlon athlete, multi-exit entrepreneur. And you can find all his content on his LinkedIn profile or at his website, which is Jeff by title only.com by, by title only.com. That's it. That's, that's great. Well, Jeff, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm yeah, excited to be here. You know, it was really interesting. We talked originally on the phone about business and you selling businesses and all these things. And, and I, and I may not have put this in their chapter, the chapters that I, that I mentioned with you, but you got to talk about this triathlete stuff. Like how do you become a triathlete? <laughs> that sounds brutal. It, uh, it sounds brutal, and it is. It is brutal. Uh, I, yeah. I actually, um, uh, I'm not sure if I've ever said this uh, to a live audience before, but here we go. Uh, I, I got into it to spite an ex-girlfriend. And uh, the I was a runner. I was a fairly good runner. Uh, not great, but better than average. And I was dating a uh, swimmer in college. And... Uh, wonderful woman, but she ha was very competitive. So we broke up after college. She told me she did a triathlon and I'm like, okay, I've got to beat you then. And so I did my first triathlon, the Rose Bowl out here in Los Angeles, Rose Bowl triathlon. And uh, it started with a run, a bike and a swim. First of all, I had no idea what I'm doing. So I start on the run and I'm in the lead and I didn't understand. I thought I was doing it all wrong because I mean, every, it seemed everybody else had done triathlons before. And so I'm running and I finish the run in the lead and I get on the bike and people pass me a lot. And then I get in, in the, on the swim and uh, I could barely finish 400 meter swim. <laughs> it was, it was what horrendous. Is 400 meters? Is that how far is that? It's a quarter mile. Quarter mile. Yeah. Um, so I got out and I forgot about the reason why I did it, which was out of spite. 
and I realized that felt really good. Look at it. it's like seven in the morning and I've already biked, ran and swam and I want to do better. And that was in 1992. And I proceeded on decades of triathlon. I got into long distance. So I've done Ironman and other assorted crazy type of distances. How do you, what the, the mental, I have a thousand questions on this now, cause now you've just kind of like piqued my interest, but the mental, uh, fortitude that you have to have to go through that level of training. Tell me about that. How do you get through those walls? You know, that's most people ask, what's it like to do the race? Well, you're the first one who's really said about the training because the race is just something you go and do, right? The training is brutal. And uh, I've done two Ironmans, one Lake Placid and, and one in Arizona. And uh, the Lake Placid one, the first one's a little different because I was training with my then girlfriend, now wife. We figured if we can train together through that, then we can probably live together for the rest of our lives. <laughs> um, the, the one in Arizona is so far so good. The one in Arizona uh, was in April. And so I had to train through the winter, which keep in mind, LA, it's not much winter. Yeah. But, sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was brutal. It, it even got down, hold your breath, got down to 50 degrees one morning. Yikes. How'd you survive that? <laughs> it was hard. There's a lot of layering. <laughs> um, but, you know, I found myself like I go, at six in the morning during all of December to do 7,000 meter swims all alone. And it's not fun for me. And so you gotta, like, as long as there's a why, right? Any how is possible. Um, and so I always had my why. I was 7,000 7, meters. I'm sorry, I'm trying to do the math in my mind. How many miles is that? It's uh, a couple, right? Three? It's it it, it four? Uh sixteen hundred meters in a mile. So it's too many. Yeah. <laughs> it's swimming, somewhere. swimming. I mean that's where I'd be dead. I, if I did this, I would die. And the the mental the I would drown. I mean I just the swimming would get me. But the yeah. the mental so so as I think about it, just the mental needs, the the like the want to has to be so high to get past right. the mental walls of you're running, you jump on a bike, you bike, and then you swim, which is, you know, it's, it's very, this is why this is a short it's a distance of all of them. It's the hardest it takes. It requires the most. It's also the most dangerous. It feels like. Yeah. You know, it turns out. So I was a terrible swimmer. As I said, that first quarter mile swim, they, they literally, it was a pool swim. That one, it wasn't the ocean. They literally had to, pull me, two people had to pull me up out of the pool. I could not even get up out. And uh, I continued to be really bad at swimming. Um, and then I decided to get a lesson. And in my lesson, we never even got in the water. We, I lay down on, you know, a, a bench, like a bleacher bench. And he taught me how to do my arms. And since then, it cut 15, mi 15 minutes off my mile time, and I became a, a pretty good swimmer for a triathlete. A really bad swimmer for a swimmer, but <laughs> for a triathlete. But let me tell you, in terms of overcoming, the, the last Ironman I did was in Arizona, and it was the last 
April race they did. It was 50 mile per hour headwinds. Um, so for, you know, what a 62 miles of biking, you got a headwind coming at you and it, uh, reached 107 degrees. And when I did well in the swim, got out, the bike was horrendous. It was like the whole day was the hardest physical day of my life. And I got into the bike to run uh, exchange and it was like a war zone in there. There were people were laying down, there were doctors, there were nurses, people, it was the highest uh, dropout rate of any Ironman at that point. And I'm like, listen, if I sit here, I'm not going to finish. And so I put on my shoes and I just started running at that hundred. At that point, it got down to 105 or something. And yeah, I think about that often about, okay, how do you get through the tough times in life? And you can put down your head, square your shoulders and go forward, or you can sit back and let it take you over. And that's when you find out who you are. How much did you enjoy the process too? Because you mentioned it earlier, I think life, life is the process, you know, like life is yes. more process than it is game day. And Completely. I think that's what athletes, I think the best athletes are the ones that embrace the process, embrace the practice, embrace the, what they have to do before they get to the game to succeed. Yeah. And that's life, right? Like, you know, the thing that you're passionate about, you'll keep doing and you will embrace the process to find whatever that reason is you're doing it. Now, competitiveness can only get you so far when you're nowhere near the front of the pack. And uh, the, so for me, it was just trying to improve myself and feeling good about myself. You know, I love that feeling of, I despise the 7,000 meter swims in the morning, but I loved having done them, right? I loved getting out, having showered and feeling like I, I could, I've, I've kicked butt on the day already and the sun has barely come up. And that is a huge driver for me. There's certainly a high around working out, working your body to a maximum point of exertion. And then the backside of that, the, the result of that level of exertion, I, I think there's, there's a high to it. it the, the moments where I was, I've been the most in shape after those hard workouts, it's, there's something about it that, that is, um, it will drive, will drive you. Yeah. But listen, you probably experienced this too. Um, especially with kids where you have to, uh, make use of your time. You have to be as productive as possible. Right. Yeah. I, if they, if they cl don't climb over me by the end of this podcast, it'll be a, a minor miracle, miracle. Just so you know, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I woke up at 4am this morning. Um, the dog woke up and so I took the dog out and then I put the dog, the dog went back to sleep and I'm like, I'm going to start writing. I love writing. I write every day. I have a newsletter and some other things. And so I wrote for an hour and a half and you know, by the time the rest of the family wakes up, I feel great about what I've accomplished already. And so I think, yeah, athleticism brings that out, but, um, but a feeling of accomplishment, right? I think in general, you don't have to bike for seven hours a day to do that. 
how do you Thank find God. that unique calling for you that you love writing and what was the path for you to get to get there where you're you knew that space is where you knew you needed to be as i am I'm, I'm eternally curious and always try different things and uh the things um that make me feel good i push forward on i like creating i like creating stuff and it's my probably my greatest strength and my biggest weakness is the it's why i've started companies and um why i most of my hobbies are about creating if not about um fitness and you know self whatever the second part of that word is <laughs> um, <laughs> the um so uh so when I, I i i do a lot of things that are about creating and um and that's how i i find if there's an opportunity for me to create something I'll try it. So your experience in business, let's, let's jump into that because I think it's really fascinating. You've had a couple of exits. One is around this triathlete stuff, you know, an event, an event business. Tell me about that. How does that come to be? And how do you, how do you get into that? And then maybe, maybe touch on the sale and what that looks yeah. like. Yeah. The, um, you know, I've, I've started three businesses and, and was able to sell all of them. And, uh, you know, from the outside and on paper, it looks like three distinct uh, efforts and periods of life. When in actuality, it's all very linear and all kind of flows together. You know, I've been, I'm one of those, part of one of those families where we get together for Thanksgiving and 13 of us go do a turkey trot together or eight of us will do a triathlon together. You know, we're little to the right of normal. And <laughs> the... uh and all my family's on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. And so one day I just decided to build a Wikipedia for sporting events because I wanted to understand the events in advance that I was flying to the East Coast to do. And lo and behold, we got traction. And so I sat down and I thought, um, what can I do to, to turn this into something? And... You know, the universe conspires to work in our favor. And then I stumbled across this company in Alabama that was uh, doing registration and they were open to selling and I bought them. And that led to my first client, which was USA Triathlon. And then year and a half, we were the largest triathlon registration company in the world. And yada, yada, yada. We became the second largest registration company in, in the world. And uh, it was good. And then I actually ended up going through a variety of processes to sell the company. A um, couple of them fell through. Uh, longer stories that will probably require a whiskey, at least for me. <laughs> and uh, then we ended up... Um, randomly I ended up meeting somebody who was at Gannett Media USA Today who nobody knows but they have they are the largest owner of endurance events in the country and walked out of that meeting which was just an introductory meeting like hi how are you nice to meet you uh with a hey I want to buy your company and next thing I know I Gannett buys my company and so did you transition into a 
leadership role with Gannett at that time, or were you just were you there? Were you contractually there for a couple of years to kind of help the transition? What'd that look like? Yeah, I was there for a couple of years and was in leadership of a uh, a business unit um, that they had, and then uh, so I did a lot on strategy and uh, grew sales team and marketing and partnerships some acquisitions. Um, and then after two years, when I left, Gannett then hired me as a consultant to help one of their business units, which is about a $40 million business unit, help them grow and help leadership um, improve. Is that where you felt like you, you learned, learned about your desire to do this coaching and consulting in the, in the C-level C-suite space and executive coaching? Yeah. You know, I feel like my life finds me in a way, <laughs> you know, um, for a guy who runs so much, uh, I, I'm lucky that a lot of stuff kind of runs to me and, um, I, so Gannett hired me to do this consulting. And at the same time, two other companies hired me to do consulting. And then I sat back and I thought, okay, what's the similarity? And I figured it out. And then I said, that's what I do. And so two of the consulting gigs then turn into coaching. And as it turned out, I then got a lot more coaching uh, opportunities and mostly female senior executives at fortune 500s. So that was all kind of weird too. And I realized, you know, why I work well in that, in, in that arena, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, I actually just wrote a, an article about this of, um, Calvin and Hobbes are my favorite philosophers. Do you know the cartoon? <laughs> oh yeah. One of my faves too. It's great. Yeah. Uh, and if I were a cartoonist, which I wanted to be, I would have done Calvin and Hobbes. So now I'm relieved, like it's already done. I don't have to do it. Um, but one of the quotes that I love is the secret of success is being in the right place at the right time. But since you never know when the right time is, I figure I'll just find the right place and hang out for a while. <laughs> and so I feel like that's kind of what my life has been right? I've been in the right place and you got to look for opportunity. And once opportunity comes by, you got to grab it. So you have to know where you want to go. And that's what I, um, that's what has led me from one thing to another. And here I am. Here where, we are now. What, what's happened with the uh, triathlete company? Because so are you connected there anymore? Or are you doing anything with them? I'm not. So shortly after it was sold, I stopped working for them and was just doing Gannett work. And uh, I believe they have uh, incorporated it all into the Gannett's properties now. And so the do, clients were transferred over and it's gone. The brand is gone. Do you ever regret selling that thing that, you know, in a, in a world where software is, you know, going through the roof and things like th those community type situations are you know, they hit a fever pitch or they have some network effects that take, take on and then it just kind of explodes exponentially. Do you ever think, man, what a, I should have held on longer? No, no. In fact, I'm the opposite. 
Uh, it seems I changed it industries. <laughs> it took me way too long. Yeah. Uh, the three companies, I was pretty much in each of them for 10 years. And if I went back 30-ish years to do it over again, I would cut that to five or six years each. And, uh, you know, again, I love building. And I get it to a point I could build uh, the quality company according to my history in two to four years, sell it year five, do it again. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. um, change gears a little bit here and talk about when we had our conversation, it was really fascinating who you're connected with and some of your friends and uh, who's been involved in what productions and produced you're in LA. So you're, you know, you're in this circle of around the Hollywood and, and stuff like that. Um, can you, even though you're successful yourself and you, as a businessman, can you tell me highs and lows of that in a, in a space where you have like, you can be highly successful, but still like, maybe you're not like the Steven Spielbergs of the world. Cause there's only a few of those, you know, how do you, yeah. How do you live in that space? Is this the part where I cry? <laughs> Just start crying. Man, have at it. You gotta do what you gotta do, but yeah, we're no, getting to the heart I of it. Yeah, we are getting to the heart of it. So um, there, there are two elements to this. Uh, one is imposter syndrome, which I'll get to in a second. But the other is, yeah, friends that I have. And listen, I've got friends who are billionaires. I've got friends who are um, big celebrities. Uh, and I've got friends who are recovering addicts and poor and homeless. And, you know, uh, for me, it's not about status. It's about quality of, of person. Um, the, you know, one of my longest friends since elementary school, uh, has done fairly well for himself in Hollywood and, and I'm really happy for him and it's easy to compare, right? Sure. You know, I remember us, uh, writing together when we were younger and talking about what, how much money we want to make. And his number has gone up. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's still where it was earlier. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, most of the time, I'd say 98% of the time, I'm like, that's awesome. I'm not jealous. He's, he has enough. Everybody's got their challenges, right? In whatever they're doing. And I'm lucky with what I'm doing. Then imposter syndrome comes in. And, and I remember selling my first company, which was a record company and I, and universal Interscope bought it. And I remember thinking what a failure that was. And I had started it three years earlier and, uh, started in 94, sold at 98. And, um, you know, that's like to feel that's a failure at 27 years old or whatever I was, uh, it's not always so healthy. And so I think the biggest critic are the voices in my head yeah. and uh, my conversations with them are the ones that uh, make it the toughest, right? Yeah. With these connections, so, have you ever gotten to work with some of these, some of your friends and your buddies and do some work with, in some of the, in Hollywood and as a writer yeah. yourself? Uh, not writing has always been a hobby of mine. I am working with one of my friends, uh, on um he's helping with my book that i'm putting together so may have him punch it up a little bit 
Uh, I've talked about doing podcasts with, with some of them. So just waiting to get, uh, I don't want to abuse the generosity, right? Oh man, and, abuse it. Right. Duh, yeah. Abuse it. <laughs> yeah. Take advantage of it. They, you know, these are yeah. friends, you know, like, yeah. like at some point you're very, you're very humble. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been fun to interact with you and, and to have our phone conversation a week or so ago. Um, it's just really, it was, it was a great, um, interaction. But I, I think, man, you got to use those relationships and tell stories and talk about friendship. And I think yeah. it's, I think it'd be great. Well, if you watch, um, I don't know if it's in any movies, but uh, it might be in a couple of movies. If you watch some TV shows, pay attention every now and then you'll hear a character named Matlow. And uh, that's probably my friend that wrote it or runs it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's great. I, you know, I look forward to seeing your face. I want to see your face like in something, something cool. You know, maybe yeah. just show well, up. Here, oh, there's Jeff Matlow. I had him on my podcast. Here, <laughs> uh, I, now you said something cool, which this is not under that category. But uh, I was a big Billy Joel fan when I was younger with my friend, my friend Mark and I. And so when he did the, um, it was the video for it wasn't Uptown Girl, but it was another one from that album. Uh, where he's on the Ed Sullivan show and I, we're in the audience. So I'll send you the link. Oh to man, that. that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It's like the 15 year old me. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> I love it. Well, Billy Joel, you know, he was, he was still popular when I was growing up too. Cause you're not that much older than me, but um, you know, he was I'm kind 22. of maybe, maybe waning. <laughs> yeah. I'm 12. Uh, <laughs> that's what my wife says. My maturity level is it's a 12 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I've told my daughters, actually, I have three daughters, and I'm like, hey, boys never get past 12-year-old maturity. You just got to understand that. So when they're when you're 18 or 20 or 25 and you're picking out a future spouse, just know that they're going to have the maturity level of a 12-year-old. It never gets better than the, the boys yeah. picking on you at 12 years old. It never does. Yeah. And I think, I think my wife is referring to me more in the seven and eight range. So the good thing is I have some maturing to do still. Yeah. 12. Yeah. 12 is the max. Like that is, yeah, you've reached the pinnacle yeah. of the maturity. <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell me about this newsletter stuff. I, I, I find newsletters really fascinating. I think more people ought to do them. I, I do a terrible job of consistently writing mine. I did mine for like, I was doing it for a couple of weeks. I do it one at a time, just kind of building in public, telling people what I'm doing with my media company. I haven't written one in maybe a month or two. It's really stupid. It's really bad. And I only have a couple dozen people on my list, but you have thousands. And I, you know, it's, it's really interesting to hear how these are built. Cause I think they're all built differently, but the, the core value remains that you speak to the customer and your customer wants to read your content there. You're going to grow that list. So tell me about the growth of that. Yes, it's called, uh, it, it was called by title only. I've recently changed the name to the best leadership newsletter ever uh, because- I saw it on LinkedIn, yeah. Yeah, because um, nobody had that name. <laughs> and whenever I search for newsletters, I'm searching for the best leadership newsletter. So I, I now, if you search for the best leadership newsletter ever, you will see me right up top. You own that category. I own that category. Uh, it actually started off with my last company, I Am Athlete, the one that we were talking about in the sports space. Uh, and it started uh, in COVID. So, it, you know, I was in the event business and the sporting event business. COVID comes along, the event business stops. March 16th was the day all the revenue stopped. And uh, I recognized that a lot of 
a lot of the people in the sports space are mom and pop owners, right? They're first time entrepreneurs. They're in there not because they love business, but because they love running. And not all of them were making the moves uh, business-wise that I thought um, were helpful for their business. There were a lot of questions that were coming up. So I decided to write a newsletter to, or write, write some articles to help them with leadership. And we had thousands of clients. So I, I got to 3,500 subscribers pretty darn fast. And, uh, and then later on, probably 2022, year and a half, two, two years ago, uh, I changed it from just sports leadership to just to company leadership. And that's when things started um, growing. And in the past year, uh, they've grown a lot more. I've hit my stride. I know what people like. Uh, I know what voice uh, to write about and the length. I used to write really long articles. Now they take about three or four minutes to read. And, uh, and it's about leadership, but there's a lot of storytelling. There's humor. You know, my goal is, here's what I understand, is leadership newsletters are boring. And I don't even want to read them. And so if I can make myself laugh while I'm writing it and make myself smile a little bit, maybe other people will smile and laugh and maybe they'll get to three, 350 words in. So in the last 50 words, I could actually have a message and maybe they can learn something. And it's been, uh, it's been working out. You know, we, we have, I think I've got um, coming up on 10,500 subscribers should be next week. I hit that and, uh, and growing. And listen, if there's anything that I have, uh, people say, what's your superpower? I don't really have a superpower. Um, I'm, I'm, ask my wife. It's not that super. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but what I do a good job of synthesizing different types of information and coming together, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, the juggler that'll juggle, juggle like a knife and a chainsaw and a bowling ball. And I feel like that, give me a knife, a chance on a bowling ball, and I'll figure out a leadership lesson from it. And uh, that's what all my newsletters are. That's me. great. I, I yeah. actually enjoyed them in reference to talking to you about the, the and do you envy some of your friends in LA? You wrote this, I don't remember which, um, which uh, newsletter it came from, but it's, you said every single one of them struggles with their own personal demons. Some of the wealthiest and famous of my friends are some of the least interesting and the least friendly to be around. On the other hand, most of those who've been at the bottom, those who struggle with addiction or imprisonment or devastating loss, they are some of the best, most authentic people you can ever hope to meet. And I find that to be true, too, with some of the some of the people I'm around in the political world that have reached kind of the pinnacle of political success is that, you know, their their stories are so um, watered down as a result of their their political lives or what they have to show people in the public. Whereas, you know, people that have been through real adversity, the real struggle, real hardship, you know, they have a real story to tell and it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, of course I agree. Cause I wrote that, but <laughs> it, you know, money does not make the person and pa uh, power. However, we describe what power is, uh, which you can describe in a much more interesting way than I can, uh, is it doesn't make the person. And then, um, so I think, you know, that article was about, I forget what the, th the theme was. I remember writing it because I was actually running through, I was on a run through the VA hospital and there were a bunch of people walking 
um, by me. And, and they were clearly, they were living at the VA. They were uh, not looking the best that, that they can be. And, and, but they seemed nice, you know, had a quick little, hi, how are you? And I, I started thinking about the quality of people and who's going to judge them based on how they look. When the reality is, is that, you know, some of the, uh, as I mentioned, when, uh, a friend who was a prostitute before is one of the nicest people I know, nicer than somebody I know who is swimming in money, like billions, right? Like I would rather hang out with her every day than him. And I'll have more conversation, interesting conversation. Uh, can we go back to something? Cause sure. have at it. you brought up, um, you're, you're apparently involved in state government. Uh, and I was, as I was talking about the, the Ironman triathlon stuff, you asked me like how I endure that. And I always think, how does one endure being part of the, the, the greatest cog machine, you know, in our country? and how slow and challenging it is to make any uh, change there. Yeah, well, that's a good question. A lot of patience. I think our politics now as much as ever needs people that see that humanity transcends politics. And I'm not perfect at that. You know, I'm, I've certainly have my beliefs philosophically and ideologically. Uh, I try not to let them leak into my view of the person I'm arguing with politically or philosophically or ideologically. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lost, lost art in politics today. At least what we, what we see media has a, the media has a built in incentive, built in bad incentives to only promote the things that rile people up. Yep. And so, you know, there's a lot more good happening. There are a lot more conversations happening than people are aware. There are a lot, there's a lot more relation, relational work that's happening. Cause you can't, it doesn't matter how politically idealistic or um, even being a political hack that you are, you have to have relationships to get things done in the government. This is the beauty of our, our American experience experiment is the founders. I really truly believe the founders set it up in a way that was made it extremely hard to get things done. And that protects all of us from political hackery in my, in my mind. On the other That's hand, a... it also makes it, if you get to a point where you get really jaded and we get into a spot where people refuse to work with each other, it can create real, real problems but there's the reason there's a reason why there's a balance in the power and i think it's good for all americans that it's not easy to get things done it requires us to be relational it requires us to work with people we may not agree with all the time and there's a beauty in that that's really good for our country does the i don't want to get into this too much but i am curious does the divisiveness that seems to be on the federal level uh leak down do you find it on the state level Oh yeah, I think I think states are a microcosm of DC in ways. Now it's not as bad. My DC I don't I don't know. The the be another beautiful part of our American experiment is that we have federalism and that there are 50 state experiments across the nation yeah. and that we have the authority as states to do our our own thing in the in the areas where the federal government doesn't have a uh, the obvious authority through federal legislation. So 
it really creates these hotbeds of experimentation and innovation and uh, the economy that we share. It's really, it's really a, a masterful economy. It's the, it's the best of all the worst options yeah, <laughs> in, in yeah. political, in political uh, speak, but it's, it's a very, the system is set up in, in such a beautiful way, in my opinion. And uh, DC is a mess. You know, it requires people sitting down and saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin your career, or your life or whatever, because I disagree with you. We're going to sit down. We can have, we can have vehement and passionate discussions about our differences. But at the end of the day, we got to come to some conclusion, like on the federal debt or what do we do in foreign policy on foreign policy right. or you know, do we need term limits or people, you know, do we need 90 year olds running the greatest country or the most influential country in the world? Uh, I don't know if those, you know, like that requires some leadership from somebody in DC to, to just step up. And I think you see that, I, you, you see that happening in the States. Our state is not dissimilar to that. There's, we've got our own problems. Um, but there are a lot of, I think we accomplish much more than DC feels like DC gets done. Yeah, uh, that's good, by the way. And it's an interesting comment that uh, the Founding Fathers set it up so that it is difficult. And because uh, if it's so difficult, then the good ideas are the ones, hopefully, that get through um, because people have to agree on them in order to get it through. Uh, interesting concept that doesn't trickle down to business. Um, <laughs> and I wonder operationally, I don't know how it is in the States, but I think of how the operations of federal government works and, and uh, can they ever fix that? I think like, poorly. <laughs> I think it's yeah. way, the bureaucracy is way too big. The States have that problem. I mean, we have 50,000 state employees in the state of Missouri. It's a very large government for a, a, a state of 6 million people. So yeah. I think government, and this is just, again, my philosophy, but I think government <laughs> only has a tendency to grow. And you don't really, it's very hard to reduce the size of government. Uh, and I think it's just, you know, we rely way too heavily on it. And and I don't, I, I think most Americans agree that we probably, we don't get the bang for the buck that we give to the government in the form of taxes and that we, we there needs to be some type of right sizing. DC's just the perfect example of this. I mean, they... Their their budgets, the budget deficits seem crazy. We spend a lot of money on a lot of crazy stuff, and I think entrenched interests there prevent anybody from saying, "Okay, we got to end this." I had a a great friend who died recently. He's a senator, U.S. senator from Oklahoma, um, Tom Coburn, great guy, and he every year um, would release a tax and spend like a pork report for the federal government mm -hmm. and you just expose all of the wasteful spending in Washington, DC. And it's just phenomenal how much money is spent on entrenched interest. And the only reason is because they, they have people aren't, you can't, it's so hard to track multi-trillion dollar budget. And right. um, there's just so many areas where there's waste and we need serious people in DC to step up and figure it out. Yeah. Interesting. Sorry. That's um, a lot of, you really kind of opened up the can of worms there. No, it's, it is really interesting to me to get an insider's view on how it all works. Because, um, you know, operationally, I see the power, I see the politics, I see the, the 
conniving that goes on. But, you know, there, there are a bunch of good people like you that are in there. And so how does a system that is highly bureaucratic, bureaucratic work for helping the good people get stuff done? And uh, so it's, it's just an interesting. Um, I, th I think we, you just don't lose hope mainly, you know, we can't yeah. just say, you know, all is lost. We give up, throw our hands up and walk away. Like I have three little girls that rely on me and I'm doing this in large part because I want them to have a future here. And so, you know, you just can't throw your hands up and walk away. You got to fight for it. And, and sometimes it's fighting against something that's getting too big and too unwieldy. And sometimes it's, it's inserting the government into issues like foreign policy and foreign wars and our allies in the middle east and yep. spending and uh all kinds of different you know how do we fix our roads and build bridges and how do we um you know take care of police and firemen and state workers you know there's so much to it mm. yeah it's a lot and it's uh, a lot you're a better man than me. God bless you for, for doing it. <laughs> I don't know that that's true, but I appreciate it. Jeff, man, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for, thanks for hopping on here for a couple minutes on the leadership room with me. And um, it's really cool to get some time with you. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you.